6: Join Center of Hope for the annual New Year's Eve Mule Drop in downtown Columbia. It all starts at 8 p.m. with the amazing Emerald Empire Band. Food trucks, a beer garden, axe throwing, and a cigar lounge will all be there. Hourly countdowns and toasts will lead up to the Mule Drop at midnight. The Mule Drop is free and family-friendly. Presented by Center of Hope. Sponsored by Experience Murray and Baxter Management. No live mules will be used at this event.
2: This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia.
7: Look, you know it's going to be a great Friday when I open my show, and there were like seven things playing at once. For those of you that know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you that don't, trust me, it wasn't pretty. But it's a stacked and packed Friday. Friday. Hugie Bear is joining. Uh, Watson Brown joining. Special guest in our due joining. And all kinds of information as well. Joining. Day number five in Portal Mania. Shout out Portal Dave, who's gotten the job done all week. Portal Dave's been incredible this week. And, uh, buenas noches to you, no matter where you may be. The shock yesterday of the shock of the shock, I got some emails from some people calling me a sheep, telling me I've lost my edge, telling me that, you know, COVID really took it out of me and that I need to get the triple jab and the quadruple jab and this, that, and the other, and what happened to you, and... So there are a couple things to get into. First of all, I want to just say a special word of thanks to Eve Rackham and the Lady Vol volleyball team who put on a real show last night. It's a shame. They had a triple match point against Texas at the end of their game and let Texas up. In the fourth game, they could have put them away three games to one. You knew what was going to happen when they went to game five. If you watch sports long enough, the defending national champion, when you let them up off the deck, you knew what was coming. Brian Hartman, you and I were watching along at home, and a special shout-out to the Lady Vol, uh, Volleyball. I actually stayed up late and watched it, and and I had no idea it was going to take three hours to play that match, Brian, but it took about three hours.
8: Yeah, I didn't know how long a volleyball match was supposed to last, but I figured at least a couple hours if it went the distance. Yep. And I think the Lady Vols were really the – they looked like the better team in matches in sets two through four, and they should have put them away in four. They had, uh, they had to win that in four if they were going to win. Yep. Yep. And unfortunately, Texas looked better enough in the first and fifth set. Pino, did you
7: happen to click over and check it out last night? I did not. Well, I'll tell you what. Those girls are incredible athletes. I can see why in certain parts of the world that's a very popular spectator sport because those are extremely graceful, incredible athletes. That's a game of power, finesse, skill. And the most frustrating thing to me, Bri, is watching the Lady Vols earn a serve and then serving a ball out of bounds. But both teams kept doing it. And, man, that that was really frustrating to me.
8: Yeah, that's, that's giving points away is what that is. That's like a turnover yep. in other sports. In uh, unforced error. Better lexicon.
7: Unforced error. Yeah. To, to the person that's um, receiving this verbally, meaning you're not watching our Twitch or fake book stream, you don't see that I've got my Kelly Green Eagle hat on today with the original logo. Bino, you like that logo with the ball in front? We're playing tonight music so. at the Admiral Pub, and I'll be rocking the throwback Randall Cunningham jersey. Beautiful. With this hat. Because the bottom line is, Cowboy fan, look, you know, Dak Prescott's run up some numbers against some awful teams, and the NFL is full of awful teams. Beano will agree with that. There were two of them on display on Thursday Night Football. Beano, did you check out Thursday Night Football?
4: Uh no, Tony. I haven't watched a minute of a Thursday night game so far this year.
7: Well, did he miss anything last night, Brian Hartman, with Lamb Weirdo Steelers losing to something called Bailey Zap, which I remember <laughs> Robert Troutman and Zap. Bino, do you remember Roger Troutman and Zap?
4: Absolutely. I, I want, want to be
7: your man. What
8: a great jam, Bino! What a great jam. That
7: Sing a little bit of it, you it hope, Bino. You know?
8: That puts the Colts in a better position to make the playoffs. Yeah, because of because of Roger Troutman and and Bailey Zapp. Um, I think Pittsburgh became the first team that was over five hundred to lose back to back games to teams that were two and ten or something crazy like that. Well, at home, the Steals are more. You have to wonder if at some point how many more offensive coordinators can Tomlin peel off.
7: This goes out to my man Joe Armstrong, and Bino Jeff Henderson, and Liam Weirdo, and Steeler Nation today. Because when you lose the Bailey app-
4: hey,
2: hey.
7: were you a uh, um, a Roger fan, Bean Star?
4: Uh, I was, Tony. I've got that and do-what-diddy on my iPod. Do you have still have an iPod,
9: Bino,
8: Bino Yes, you... sir. <laughs> Bino, have you
7: recovered yet from the kick in the gut yesterday with that five-star? Because he didn't want to be our man. He wanted to be Dion's man.
4: Yeah, that kind of came and went on me so fast, Tony, that I really didn't... It, it... Really didn't affect me very much. Um, and I mean the way he blindsided us, I believe I'd rather sign him as a defensive end than a left tackle. He might have sacked Nico himself.
7: I mean he's a freaking blindsider, isn't he? Blindsided <laughs> he, the
4: whole recruiting world. <laughs> he's supposed to be protecting the blindsided. Oh it? speaking And of- for some reason, Tony, because he didn't go to Oregon and then go to Ohio State. That kind of softened the blow to me. I no don't doubt know about it. No, I don't you, know
7: why. You didn't get beat for him. You got out-circused for him. How could you be mad about that?
8: I've got some news for you here coming up, so just hang in there. You know, this recruiting game is really the same as it always been. Yep. Give me somebody who wants to be here. But, Brian, somebody told and you'll me you find last, somebody who wants to be here. I was talking to somebody
7: internally last night at Tennessee... I hate when I start playing with the buttons. All right. So um, I was talking to somebody last night who said that they don't think that kid's going to go to Colorado. He might end up wanting to be in Tennessee's man before it's over, know. And he said, Tony, the difference between recruiting now and recruiting back in the day is kids did this to people all the time. They would play with them. They would... Um, They would do recruiting. uh, They would do negotiating ploys. They would commit to other schools. They would walk into the altar knowing the whole time, hey, I'm not going to go there. He said, you guys, all that stuff you did yesterday on the air talking about him, and he said, that's fine, but I'm going to tell you something. If the time comes and he calls Tennessee and says, I want to come to your school, they're going to take him. And you know, Richard, who's a recruiting degenerate yesterday, I said, Richard, would you take him back? And he paused and he was like, I think you'd have to. Because he can play. This is a this is about stacking your roster, not getting your feelings hurt. So, Beano, if he calls them and says, I I want to be your man, Bino, what do you say to him?
4: I'd almost rather be the second school he came to than the first, Tony. Why? Because I don't think he's staying at the first one he goes to. And the rules might make him stay a little bit longer at the second. Would you fool with him, be now? You're a Tennessee. Or I would you? not. You would not. I would not.
7: Well, I was told last night if that adage went, then Sabin and Kirby Smart wouldn't have all those players because they got guys all the time that, you know, when you're chasing those high level players. I'm just throwing it out there. I, I, you know, I'm just saying it's food for thought because what they're saying is the stuff is laid bare now. Um, But this kind of thing has always gone on. But now in the NIL era, we're just getting to see it, which is probably true, Bino.
4: I I think we're seeing a whole lot more, Tony. I don't think there's been many that went out there to Los Angeles and went on television, said they were going someplace and then didn't go there.
7: Speaking of the blind side and your man, if you want to meet your man... If you want to meet your man tomorrow, Nico, I'm never gonna leave you like that. Clown is uh, gonna be tomorrow be at Alumni Hall, Turkey Creek, along with his cousin Zeta Pooney, Lady Vol softball player extraordinaire. Hey, Brian, the Tennessee Lady Ball basketball team could use a Zeta Pony,
8: and uh, they could they could use a Beano Crisis Hotline. Where Bino was there. That's
7: why Bino hadn't watched any of uh, that softball, yeah. didn't watch any of the volleyball last really night. Lose. Bino abstained can from lose sports. They some of those volleyball players, probably. Bino abstained. Oh, those volleyball players are not to be trifled with. Eve Rackham's got a club, man. She got a club. As Kyle Blackburn likes to say, she got a squad. But Nico will be out there tomorrow at Alumni Hall, Turkey Creek, from 4 to 6, along with Zeta Poonie meet and greet with the fans, a family-friendly event. Everyone will receive an autograph poster that uh, Nico and Zeta can then sign. Nico can only sign this poster, one autograph per person. So we're laying the ground rules up front here. Zeta is happy to sign softballs for Legend of the Zeta shirt, etc. Great, great event, very kid-friendly. They're going to be uh, serving hot chocolate games for the kids outside brian hartman will be out there uh, with face painting so parents won't lose their minds and we love that nico is pairing up with his cousin here it looks like family means a lot to both of them this is a good thing nico has also come up with his own ribbon l-e-i-s Bino. what does that term mean L-E-I-S, is that Lays, Bino? His own ribbon Lays is a testament to his heritage. Actually, Laura uh, showed me those today on their Instagram over at uh, Alumni Hall. And i got to say, the Lays are incredible. I I might have to get me a couple to play some music in them. But he has his own logo printed on them. Alumni Hall is debuting them on Saturday for the event. And Beth Parks, kudos to you, another incredible Patented, often imitated, never duplicated. Beth Parks, Bill Todman production. So a great event I know what there.
4: The ribbon lay is Tony. I don't know what a ribbon lay is.
7: Well, do you remember from um, ECW the wrestler Kimono Wanalea, Bino? I <laughs> uh, I do not, Tony. Bino, what do you? <laughs> What do you think of our sophomore sense of humor, Beno? You forwarded or against it?
4: I think it's been on display for years and years, Tony. And anybody that's not forwarded, it's probably long gone. One
7: week away from the deadline. What is the deadline? Tennessee's coaches have told their kids they've got a week to tell them, are you in or out for the bowl game? And um, it's going to be interesting. Who's going to opt out? Who's going to opt in? Who's going to stay? Who's going to go? What does Joe Milton, Bino, what what does our fan base want to hear from Joe Milton um, in the next six days? Do they want him to play?
4: Should he stay or should he go now? Uh, I think the majority of our fan base would rather he opt out, Tony.
7: I'm starting to hear that that's the word as well. Uh, among Tennessee's brass, I think they would like to see him get on with his life's work and preparation for the NFL, and uh, uh, it might be heading that way. We'll see. Um, I'm not here to throw out any false hope, but uh, that's going to be interesting. Eight six five. We'll talk about it as we go. Mike Huganin joins on the other side. And then we'll uh, break it down scientifically with none other than Watson Brown. It's all ahead, but I I do want to say, and I want to publicly appreciate on and congratulate that Lady Vol volleyball team on the way they fought last night. Terrific representation of our area. Terrific representation of the University of Tennessee and that fighting volunteer spirit. No shame in their game last night. We'll come back on the other side and get Hugie in here. And we're doing guests. So if you're on hold right now, hang there. It might be a great way for you to listen to the show and really get some knowledge, you know, just jammed right into your ear hole. So we continue with more after this.
10: This is Coach Devin Simler from Columbia Central Baseball. You are listening to 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee.
2: Alert, alert!
1: Greetings, it's Rick from Tillis Jewelry. With Christmas just around the corner, we are here to make your gift giving a breeze. Starting December 4th, we are extending our store hours to better serve you. Find us open Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Saturdays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Whether you're after something timeless or trendy, Tillis Jewelry in downtown Columbia is your holiday gift giving headquarters. Make this season extra special by visiting us during our extended hours. Tillis Jewelry, where holiday magic happens. See you soon.
6: Need a little extra cash for the holidays? From now until Christmas, Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical is giving you a $500 Visa gift card when you buy select new HVAC systems or receive a $250 gift card with a new tankless water heater and upgrade now with monthly payments as low as $79. Visit happyhiller.com. Happy you'll be or the service is free. Call the happy face truck
1: today.
12: today.
6: Elevate your day at Old School Vapor. Check out our selection of disposables like Kato Bar, VHO, Raz, Lost Mary, Breeze, and more. Enjoy 35% off your entire e-liquid purchase and 20% off everything else. With every $20 Club 13 purchase, snag a chance to win a Rad Runner e-bike. And for Exodus lovers, every purchase gets you a ticket to win an Xbox Series S. Check us out at OldSchoolVapor.com.
5: This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia.
7: T to the B, breaking it down scientifically with you moving right to left across your device. It is absolutely an outstanding day to be alive and well, because anytime we get to break it down scientifically with the great Mike Hugan, and that's exactly what we do. And Mike Hugan and you happen to be the man... And we happen to all be along for the ride. And I hope you're having a great Friday. Because yesterday, we were bit here in Knoxville by the news of this Jordan Seton guy. And, you know, I don't know what Deion Sanders is doing. I'm not I'm not a big expert in whether he's building a program or he's just a master disruptor. But I will tell you this. It was kind of comical, Hughie, when he did it to um, uh, Florida State a couple years ago. It's not comical when the chickens come home to roost on us like they did yesterday.
9: Yeah, It's it's weird. I mean, their, their offensive line was horrendous. Um, and one guy, you know, the, the interesting thing was their starting left tackle entered the portal on Tuesday. And I'm thinking he must have known what was going to happen with Jordan Seton. Uh, Seton will play right away because their offensive line is that bad. Th- that said, it-, it would be like, um, if you let's say you have a record collection. You uh, Let's use Miles. You have Miles Davis is kind of blue. Oh. But everything else you have is like Jim Neighbors and the Andre Constellan. It's, it's a big, big deal. You have one good thing. And it- it's interesting that Seaton chose Colorado. My assumption is, yeah, there's some... Uh, NIL money being being used in the recruitment, but you know, getting one guy is not going to help Colorado. And the, the, the you mentioned the the great disruptor thing, and, and I think that's the case because you know he got Carmine McLean, a five star corner who had committed to Miami. He got him to flip last year, Seton this year, Travis Hunter a couple years ago. Well, you know, one man recruiting classes don't get it done. Um, it, it was a, a weird decision by, by Jordan
7: C. Yeah, and that's the deal, right? That's the the funny thing about all this is, again, it's amusing when it's somebody else, when it shows up on your doorstep. And then the thing we hear is that, you know, the the concern has to be, that this guy tries to pull some other people away from your class. The good thing is he was never really a part of Tennessee's class. Exactly,
9: and that's the thing. Yeah. You know, McLean the same way when they went to Colorado. Colorado's recruiting class last year, they they made their waves in the transfer portal. Well, they're not making any waves in the portal yet. Uh, and, and again, Seton is a legitimate national top ten prospect i think i read there's not another top 300 prospect in the recruiting class so again the idea that he poached one guy or or is getting he got the commitment from one guy who's a star yep okay what about the rest of your class and um you know i saw something yesterday i think it was from an ohio state person no don't worry about it uh seaton will go to colorado um He'll he'll take some easy, he'll take his first year classes and then transfer to uh, State after his freshman season. So you know, and maybe that is indeed yeah. what happens. I don't know. Yeah. So, but but it was a shocking development. Let's put it
7: that way. Dion's doing bits, Hughie, as we say in the radio industry. You know, you, you have a little guest, you set him up. Hey, you say this, I say that. Right. Blah blah blah. We'll make her because look. Mike Irvin and uh, the Sharp guy, they knew exactly what that kid was going to do before they brought him on the show yesterday. They're all tight with Dion. Hey, let's take this thing and we'll turn the screws on the college, um, major college sports industry, by the way, which two of the three guys came from. Now, Sharp came up through the black college ranks. He wasn't a part of that, uh, part of that deal, but the, the point is still that, hey, let's stick the thumb in the eyes of the establishment. The truth is, though, that Deion Sanders is way more establishment than Josh Heupel is. Deion Sanders is on those commercials. Right. He's got all these agents all over Hollywood. He's got all these revenue streams that these other coaches don't. He made an incredible deal uh, out there at Colorado where he gets a great percentage of their apparel. He acts like he's got this thing set up where he looks like he's actually – on that side of things, when really he's more of a robber baron than anything else?
9: Well, I don't want to, want to go that far, because I don't think highly of robber barons. But the, 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 the product he put on the field was entertaining, That's it. Um, which is more than you can say for recent Colorado teams. Even the one in the COVID-shortened season that was really good, that was, that was not an entertaining team to watch. I think, though, that how is he going to rebuild his staff because um, he lost some key guys. And again, signing, you know, getting the commitment from one star player, oh my God, look what Colorado did. Yep. And then you take a step back and you look at the, the the class in totality and you're like, that's not a good recruiting class. You know, you went 4-8 and eight last year. That kind of recruiting class is going to ensure you remain 4-8 and eight at best. So the, the portal work is going to be interesting to see, you know, the, is any other – High-level recruit going to sign with Colorado. Um, I know there were two 2025 guys who decommitted from Colorado. So, and one of those was like a national top 200 guy, uh, a Floridian. So, it's it's again, it's sort of like if you laser focus in, impressive recruiting win for Colorado. If you you know do the long view, that class is not good. So it, it, it's an extremely weird situation, and Dion, Colorado is staying in the news. And the idea that every college football media outlet is hyper focused on Colorado. And when's the last time that happened? Uh, when Gary Barnett was there? When Bill McCartney was there? So a lot of free pub, if nothing else.
7: The great Mike Hugan appearing on the TLD Logistics hotline online, TLDLogistics.com. By the way, as soon as Tennessee and Illinois goes final tomorrow. Click us on right here at tclub.team. Uh, thousands will, as uh, we'll have Garza Law, Tennessee basketball overtime with you. We'll chop it up on what will be an, il- an interesting game tomorrow that we break down over at tclub.team today. Uh, check it out. Check out our full breakdown, some of the insides, the intricacies of that matchup. Bino Jeff Henderson would like to jump in here with uh, Hugie on a Friday. Go ahead, Bino.
4: Hey Hughie, Hope you're well. Um, uh, are they st- stunning uh, recruiting decisions become be, going to become more commonplace because of NIL, and also especially because it's no longer really a concrete four- to five-year commitment.
9: No, it's that, but I still think if you look at the national top 250 players, they're still going to the usual suspects for the most part. You look at the top – Flight recruiting classes. Oh look, there's Georgia. Oh look, there's Alabama. Oh look, there's Ohio State. Oh look, there's Texas. So I don't know if that much is changing. I think there is. Well, you know, just because of Dion, frankly, there's been one eye opener each of the last couple years. But I think for the most part, um, the recruiting decisions aren't changing. But excellent point about the fact that okay, just because this kid, just because a kid decides to spend a freshman season. At the school, it doesn't mean he's even going to be there for two seasons at the school because of the portal. There's already a bunch of dudes who were highly ranked in the 2022 class who have left. 2023 guys are leaving. It's the immediate gratification aspect of American lifestyle now. Oh, you know, I went there. I was a high school stud. Um, I only got 33 touches. What's what's going on? I'm going somewhere else. Well, you know, sometimes. Players need to be developed, all that kind of stuff. The development aspect is what's missing in college athletics. today. college college athletics. But the coaches are sort of to blame themselves for this, and certainly administrators. Every time somebody complains about NIL and the transfer portal, especially NIL, don't blame coaches, don't blame players, blame the NCAA administrators. But the NCAA administrators are the reason that some of these dudes who are going to sign next week – will not be at that school this this same week next year because they will enter the portal, um, and the, the NCA abrogated its responsibilities yeah. in a lot of respects.
7: You know, the, the portal's really the equalizer. The kids out of high school are still going to go to those power programs, but they're going to disperse a year and a half or two later through the transfer portal, which leads me to this. Mike Huguenin, you, uh graduate of... Uh, uh, the school in Gainesville.
8: What in the heck
7: is going on there? I just saw where ETN entered the portal, and he's expected to go to Georgia. Like Florida is serving as their uh, is serving as a um, feeder school.
9: Yeah, what they the can't make those people
7: happy, right?
9: No, they're not. They don't, there's a lot of folks that don't like Napier. The, the ETN situation. He wants more carries, so he's going to Georgia, which is bringing in three of the nation's top. Eighteen running back. What? Uh, And there's a couple guys already there. Uh, That that makes zero sense. Um, But I think that in in a way, college football is a lot like the NFL. If you're going to lose a player, losing a running back is the place to lose them. The key for Napier sold that I'm a detail oriented, heavy duty recruiter. Well, the detail oriented aspect has not borne fruit because Florida makes the same mistakes in game 12 this year they made in game 1 last year and their recruiting class is a good one um the lagway kid is a legit five star quarterback they got a five star defensive lineman they got a five star safety the question obviously is whether these dudes end up signing next week uh Isn't that and if you amazing? look at the florida schedule next year they play Miami UCF and FSU and Texas and Georgia and Mississippi it, it's a monster schedule so um, Napier might not be in games well next year at this
7: time. I just um, I just can't I can't comprehend. You know, the thing about the portal that's interesting is you can draw snap judgments right based on the first couple days. Vanderbilt's being raided. and the Vanderbilt yeah. turns around and they get a kid from Texas a who's like a former four-star player yesterday. They got the Vandergriff kid from Georgia. Um, so there's still even opportunities for for. Places like that that are in this league, kids want exposure in this league to put together pretty decent rosters if they approach it smartly and with a decent budget.
9: That's the, the budget aspect, I think, is making a lot of fans uneasy. And yeah, I think part of that is it's one thing if you buy a star running back out of high school or a star quarterback out of high school. You know, that's been winked at and wink, wink, nudge, nudge for decades. But now it's getting more real. Wait a second, we have to pay $100,000 for a defensive tackle? Wait a second, we've got to pay $100,000 $100, for a tight end? And it's becoming more and more public. And that's the thing I think yeah. that people are upset about, but that's what it takes these days. If, if you are getting guys out of a portal as a Power 5, you, there's, there's money involved. But it does work both ways also. Like I mentioned last week, Toledo's best – Toledo's leading tackle was a transfer from Ohio State. Toledo's best defensive lineman was a transfer from Penn State. Um, that's you know that's, that's the way it works both ways. And the, the weird thing, you know, I watched the MAC title game last week. I enjoyed it. It was good. Uh, Miami of Ohio pulled the upset on Toledo. On Monday, both quarterbacks went into the portal. There you go. The Toledo quarterback and the Miami of Ohio quarterback. There you go. You know, like, well, what's, and, you know, the idea about, I was asked on a radio show Monday, what bowl games... Are you interested in? It? I'm like, there's two, and that's it, because the other ones, who's, who do we know is going to play? I mean, if if you have Toledo and Miami, Ohio losing their quarterback,
7: I mean, are you kidding?
9: I mean, does Miami? I mean, and the Miami Ohio kid that was is leaving was actually the second teamer when when uh, Brett Gabbert got hurt. So Miami Ohio is going to be down to its third team quarterback in some nondescript. Actually, it's, actually, would have been a good game, Cure Bowl here in Orlando. Mindville House versus App State. But, I mean, it's App State's star running back left. So, I mean, it's even every single bowl game uh, is uh, because you don't know who's going to play. Yeah, I'll watch them, but who who cares?
7: The great Mike Hugan in joining. And wait till we get to a 12 team playoff. You want to see what it really does to the bowl games. Uh, And Brian Hartman's got a question for you. I just want to get this to you just so your brain can kind of. try to process this tennessee's offer to that Seton kid my understanding is was 2.3 million dollars uh over three years so whatever that comes out to you do the math and that's what a shutdown blindside tackle was uh, going to come and he still didn't come here uh because uh, he because deon sanders is doing bits and he chose to do bits with deon sanders go ahead brian hartman
8: do you agree with the decision to keep Florida State out of the playoffs despite their 13-0 and record? And do you think they would have been competitive if they yeah. got in?
9: Yeah. Um, I was surprised, to put it mildly, on Sunday. Um, did it bother me? No, because I think the games are going to be better. That said, um, FSU would have had a month to prepare with a number 2 quarterback not the number three guy who played in the in the ACC title game, uh, and their defense obviously is quite good. Um, now I don't think there's any doubt, no zero doubt, that if you're Harbaugh and the Michigan staff, you're vastly more worried about facing Alabama than you are Florida State. But Florida State was thirteen and zero. It beat LSU badly, um, and it was thirteen and zero and won its league. So I was a little bit surprised. But again. I think the games are going to be better, but I'm not 100% sure of that. And I think, you know, the the longer the week goes, uh, I think FSU did get shafted.
7: There's no doubt. And this narrative, right, that they will, you know. I mean, Florida would have just, uh, I mean, Alabama would have just blown them off the field. Alabama struggled I was with... I lost, should have lost to Auburn. Hello! Hello, reality But my that, models. The but and the modeling, the modeling... Right. So annoying,
9: and, and you know, I, I felt extremely sorry for Boo Corrigan when he had to go out and explain it. Here's an, an ACC athletic director who, you know, in his heart of hearts, wanted Florida State in because it was a financial boon to his league, and instead, he has to go out there and. and this is why being a spokesman for for a committee is always a no-win situation. You're saying stuff that you may have the exact opposite view on. So he has to go out there and say, the committee thought that FSU was a different team. You know, whatever. The committee looked at the schedule, and he, inside he may be saying, who the heck cares? This team is unbeaten. They deserve to be in there. But he had to sort of spout the party line, and that's, I, I felt bad for Corrigan. But you're right, the The eye test aspect, you think, yeah, because I think Alabama-Michigan is a better game than than Michigan-Florida State. But I also thought Alabama was going to blow the doors off an Auburn team that lost by three touchdowns to New Mexico State at home. So, you know, and the idea that the SEC might have been left out, you know something? That wouldn't have bothered me. I'm not sure how good the, A- the SEC is this year. Is it better than the ACC? I think so, but that's that's the the whole problem. And I guess next uh, one saving grace. I don't think the controversy next year will be anywhere near as intense. Oh my God, this team is 13th. How do they? Not, how are they not 12th? Yep. I don't think anybody's going to care. But it's going to come up because think about the haha every single year oh. with the NCAA basketball tournament at the 68-team field. Uh-huh. And there's eight or nine coaches every single season who are massively
7: ticked off. Mike Huguenin, and you happen to be the man on, like, ten continents. And I hope you have an incredible weekend. Any other words of wisdom for us on the way out? You've been a gentleman and a scholar.
9: Yeah, like the uh, FCS quarterfinals, man, tomorrow. I love So, it. some interesting games. Um I think there's four teams left from the Missouri Valley Conference, yep. which is phenomenal for football. Um, but, yeah, South Dakota plays North Dakota State. Mm. Um, that, that'll that be good. So and, and Villanova's in it, man. Yep. Villanova's in a quarterfinal. They travel to South
7: Dakota State, which is
9: the top seed. So, I
7: love watching those snow yeah. games, too. I think yeah. there's a game tonight, and I, I want to – I love that brand of football. I think it's terrific that a couple of um, – uh, Tennessee's uh, on a on a, a kid in the secondary that played at Rhode Island. Many of these schools now in the portal are looking at these kids that are high level players from that level. Right. Uh, and guys get better. Hey, listen, athletes are allowed to get better, man. They are allowed to get better.
9: You think Yeah. Uh, Jared Verse, Florida State defensive end, first round pick, went to Albany. Hello. They transferred. Albany's in a quarterfinal tomorrow against
7: Idaho. Idaho. Thank you, my friend. Good talking All right. to you. See you next week. The great Mike Hugan and you bow your head and you say your name and you say his name if you bow your head and you say your name you could be a megalomaniac like Bino. but let me bring out uh, the great watson brown in here who is an absolute gentleman a scholar of this program and watson brown we missed
13: you on wednesday brother i missed you too i, I had a deal i had to do and just uh but i wasn't gonna miss the week well so here listen, we are i
7: love you i appreciate you uh Boy, I'll tell you this transfer portal thing, Watson. When you're when you're following this, and and then what's going on in recruiting right now, and Deion Sanders takes a five star from Tennessee yesterday, and this, that, and the other. Try this on for size, all right, for the staff. Not that I feel sorry for these guys because they're making so much money, but I found out Tennessee's basically told their guys, look, you got to next Friday because we're going to begin our bowl preparation to let us know whether you're in or you're out. Yep. And they've got all these moving parts and. What What's better, do you feel like, for Tennessee? Is it better for Joe Milton? Because here's my understanding. Joe Milton's kind of been told that, you know, uh, it, it, it might help you um, professionally to get with somebody, learn the drops, learn the things that the NFL wants you to do footwork-wise versus what you're doing in Tennessee's offense, and you can have a good 10-week run at it because it, the, um, the, the combine happens in late February. Um, from a Tennessee perspective, is it better if he gets on with his life's work to uh, quote the great Chuck Knoll and let Nico go at Iowa, which, which also has a nasty defense and can make you put some bad things on tape, uh, Watson Brown?
13: Yeah, but they're a simple defense, so it won't be. It would not be a hard game for a freshman that doesn't have a lot of experience to get get ready for. They're they're very simple. They're not a huge blitz team. Right. They'll blitz on. They'll blitz on late downs a little bit on you. Most of it zone blitzes and and uh, and they're simple coverage. Whether well, they're a big quarters team, I don't want to get complicated. But right. That there, this would not be a hard game to prepare for, in my personal opinion. Interesting. So, what about
7: for like yeah. a Joe Milton? Because it's kind of been hinted at him that hey, these guys with some of the stuff he does on a field might turn him inside out a little bit. What do you think?
13: No, they won't turn him in. This, it won't be a hard game for him either. And um, now, now they're good. They're good on defense, but you are not going to have to score a lot of points to win the game. All I right. think this was a this was a great draw for Tennessee. Ah uh it's a great draw for tennessee i'm telling you they couldn't have asked for a better one because i'd rather doing tennessee style is is going to make them adjust they're not used to this wisconsin's the only one in that league really that just completely spreads you out and they didn't really do that this year like they will right because they didn't have a quarterback so this this will be this won't be easy on Iowa in my opinion and I it, I don't see how in the world they keep Tennessee under twenty one and they can't score twenty one so I mean I just I just think it's a good one I don't know I, to me Tony Joe is a is a drop back guy he's a he's a he's an old pro style guy is what he is and. I watched the guy at Oregon State that was at Clemson and how much better he got in that system mm. and uh that that's what I think Joe is. I think that would fit him a lot better than what he's what he's doing at Tennessee.
4: Bino, Jeff, jump in here with the great Watson Brown. Watson over twenty plus years with Basilio, I finally made the varsity and get to speak to you on here. <laughs> <laughs> um that the dime me, will get you a cup of coffee, babe. So. <laughs> let me let me ask you, Watson. Would as as a head, if you were in this spot as as the head football coach, would you would you use this game as a jump start for next year, or would you play it to finish out this year? In other words, would you kind of advise Joe to stay or or move on and get ready for his pro career?
13: I would want to win this game. Period. I said this, I think, to Tony a couple of weeks ago. I, this this plan for next year stuff. I mean, you want this year, you want to play for next year, win another game, and get you another guys, a couple of more guys from the transport portal because you want another game. And and uh, I'd go win the game. I don't care what it takes to win the game. I would want to win this football game. That, that that's just me. But that, that that sounds like an old coach. <laughs> I mean that I I'm, I just think. Don't think about next year right now. and Find a way to get your quarterback in the game. Get your freshman in the game some, but you don't have to bench Joe to do that, in my personal opinion.
7: No, you don't bench him. You just tell him he's not welcome.
13: <laughs>
7: <laughs> I'm not. And I, listen, I'm not asking to bench anybody. You just go to him I, and you I, go, hey, look, man because you just said Wats, Watson, I'm not going to let you wiggle off you just told me at the top hey this is a game that true freshman could navigate if you he uh it. he's been he with can. you for a year he got here last December so he's been with I, you for a year you think that Iowa deals navigable for him
13: I do and and but it's also where do they think he is and I want to win the game if right. they don't think he's ready to play up to a standard that'll win them the game then I wouldn't do it I'd put him in here and there, but I wouldn't do it. If they think he's ready, then I agree with you 100%. But my the whole philosophy with me being in that in that coach's offices with those guys, we're going to win this game first. That's the first thing we got to do.
4: Hey, Watson, I've seen a whole lot of staffs come through here, starting with Dickies. And yep. uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen one uh, that wasn't somewhat hesitant or more hesitant than me as a fan would like to be. To see the second, to put your second team quarterback in and getting some experience. Can can you give us a little coach's view of that, please? Uh, that that one
13: position man is is a win lose position for your team, and so I was just always careful with that. And I was a one quarterback guy. I just did not like this alternating guys. Now injuries sometimes would create maybe two because. I've always said, always, and this is an old coach still, and You've heard it a thousand times. If you've got two, you got none, yeah. and uh, and I believe that. I still to this day believe that um, a quarterback needs to play with these players. He needs to be out there all the time. The time and the 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 cohesiveness of critical times together, and having to make a play when you got to make a play. All of the things go into, and you jump two in and out. But for this one game, I think you could do that. But I've never been a two quarterback guy. I've just always said, man, if I got two, I'm yeah. in trouble because I don't have one.
7: And that's why in this ball game, we need to have one Watson and not two. Uh,
13: and and you you, it's hard for me to defend it at what you're to take on what you're saying because I just don't know. Uh, Nico is right. How far along he is? Well,
7: he's having an autograph yeah. signing tomorrow over at Alumni Hall, which means he's got to be ready. <laughs> i mean i don't know you, you you know you bring up a great point though here's the, here's the thing right let's say you say to joe because fans want to see the other kid play let's just get real hey, they do right and I, fans I have it. fans but are tired of the wanna other wanna
13: guy, but they want to win the game, they, they if win the game. And, that's if right he plays and they lose then He's, you've got a rough off season with him and the team that's right you got to look at it both ways that's
7: right And Bino, he's right about that. You know, it's easy for us to sit here and go, well, you know, really, let's just turn a page. What if you turn a page and you get in that game and you throw that freshman out there, and I was got him all flustered and he's not ready, because I was no—that's no walk in the park for anybody. No,
13: that's a very good. That's one of the better defenses in the country. Uh, Even though though they're they're not complicated, balances out a little bit is what they do. Right, they're just so very simple.
7: Isn't that interesting? So they're simple because they play that zone stuff, but they all know their assignments. Like we were talking with somebody getting a preview of them when they come on our radar, and the word we get is, you know, they kind of play zone, and they don't really force you to play fast. And But, but they understand space and how to manipulate it about as well as anybody you're going to play defensively.
13: No, and very, very, very patient. They're not going to give up a bunch of big plays. They don't. They just don't give up big plays, so they make you go the distance and going the distance in college football in today's world, going eighty yards in college football is not the easiest thing in the world to do. The percentages aren't with you, and and if you're going to go the distance four and five yards you to death, you're going to mess it up at some point. You got to, in today's college game, it's so quarterback oriented. You've got to hit big plays to score. It's really hard to go four or five, four or five, and all the way down the field and do that and. In the 80s, when I was throwing it and running, you could do that. You could do that. The defenses were uh, simpler because they weren't used to spread stuff yet. We were one of the early spread teams. Now everybody is. So they got a handle on it, and they they know how to make you go the distance. And I promise you, Tennessee's in there right now, Tony, hunting big plays. Somehow, some way, how are we going to get big plays on this team?
7: The great Watson Brown, you bow your head and you say his name because he takes us under wing generally Wednesdays with Watson. Today Bino Jeff Henderson's getting to interface with him two what I would consider to be legendary figures.
13: Uh, in our <laughs> sports. In the dime. I'll say it again. No, Not no, no, no,
7: no. And and Beano Bino's got nothing but love for you. Trust me. I, I will ask you this though. Let's go to the NFL game real quick. Because I I'd love to have you on like, you know, through the through through the rest of football because you watch it at all levels. You're like you'll probably yep. flick on those 1AA games tomorrow. You just love it. Like I, I will
13: do. I will watch those 1AA yeah, games. I love yes, it. I, I love
7: the sport. Yep. So that said, Watson, why would I watch the NFL now and they get to these backup quarterbacks, there's so many guys that are just direct players versus when I was a kid and you'd see a Steve DeBerg come in a game or a Don Strock come in a game or, um, uh, I'll date myself here, uh, a Johnny Walton come in a game. They were ready to play. And these guys today look like they're just not equipped to be out there. What has happened to quarterbacking, and specifically the backup quarterback? And Do you share my opinion?
13: I do, and I think what's happened, Tony, in my opinion, what's happened is these, these college offenses are now so different than the pro offenses. And the high school offenses are so different than the pro offenses. The pro offenses are still the, quote, old-time offenses. They're still doing a lot of the stuff they did back 15, 20 years ago, and it's talent-oriented. It's, we're, go beat this guy. Two things in the pro game. They, they, they cannot move the quarterbacks around a lot and let them run because they get hurt. Well, all these college kids, that's what they do. Yeah. They're all athletes and they're move around guys and they're they're making plays on their own and you just can't complete you can't do that over and over and over in the NFL because you get hurt. And uh so uh that's what I see. The second thing is a lot of the college game is still zone first, man second. The pro game is exactly the opposite. It's man first, zone second, and it's all my man's better than your man and you're trying to hunt the single coverage, and the single coverage is where they think their corner is the better than your receiver. The double coverages are where their corner isn't as good as your receiver. So we're going to go double this guy, and we're going to single this guy with our best player, and he can't beat me one-on-one. So much of the thought in the NFL is that, and that pass rush is unbelievable compared to college pass rushes. It's, <laughs> those are the best of the best, and they can't be blocked they just, it's hard to block them where I don't think the college game pass rushers have caught up yet because the college game throw so many quick balls and they go so fast and they wear those guys out and these colleges don't have depth. And so by middle of the third quarter, I've watched Tennessee do yeah. a thousand teams.
8: That's right.
7: By
13: the middle of the third quarter, their linemen are wore out. And I can remember my brother many years back saying to me in recruiting when he was at Texas and, uh, Texas Tech was the only one doing this at that point. And uh, he said to me, he said, how do you you do this and you don't have as good a talent? I say, we wear them down because we go so fast. He said, yeah, and it's changed the way I've had to recruit. I'm doubling now the number of defensive linemen, and I'm doubling more of the secondary guys because these secondary guys are having to go deep five times in a row, and they're wore out, and they're throwing receivers at me right and left. And these defensive linemen are wore out. So he had to change recruiting to the style of stuff. And now this was back, I guess, in yeah. the 80s or 90s, Tony. And now it would only be 90s, early two thousand. And now everybody's doing this on the college level. So defenses are catching up. They always do.
7: I want to jump Brian Hartman in here. Watch, I'm going to prove I, I listen to you. Now, <laughs> obviously what happened in the Auburn-Alabama game is an egregious example of something but i asked you back earlier in the year why in the college game when you get somebody in third and long fourth and long don't they just heat them up like they do in the nfl in the nfl if you're in a third and 25 situation it is a foregone conclusion that your quarterback is not going to be able to breathe they are going to swallow him and everybody knows it and there's not a damn thing they can do about it you don't you can't put enough blockers in there to account for what's coming at your quarterback and they know it so in the college game, you'll see them rush three and play whatever they play and hold on to your hat and who the heck And I asked you why, and you said, Tony. Those guys that cover receivers at the NFL level are world-class players. And on a college field, you might have one of them. So you have to do what they're doing in college football, which is kind of an interesting answer. But I wanted to repeat that for the listener. Just Just the differences between those two levels of that game. Brian Hartman, jump in here. You've got something. Before Brian gets here, let me do this. I'm going to keep it legal. And we'll begin hour two. Uh, with watson brown let me get a quick legal in here
2: WJBE ten forty a.m 99.7 fm translator w25980
7: powell knoxville wow watson brown straddling two hours this doesn't happen every day on here and he's doing it with the greatest of ease don't try this at home boys and girls brian hartman jump in yeah you talk
8: about the fcs football there's eight games eight teams four games this weekend do you think that the south dakota state team is the team to beat and who do you think their biggest challenger outside of maybe north dakota state would be and what's your take on programs like delaware moving up to the fbs level and do you think eventually you'll see more of these teams maybe in north dakota state jump up another level right uh
13: sean it's been going on for a while i mean it, the. Conference USA, that's kind of what's Conference USA and Sunbelt, that's kind of the way it keeps going. They yep. keep bringing up some FCS teams and they turn into good, solid um, uh, FBS teams, group of five teams and then all of a sudden, four or five years later, they go from group of five getting to move up into this or that. So it's just a process to me. and uh, it, It's interesting to me to watch the FCS now. You watch the early rounds, and they're not fun to watch. Most of them are not good games. But now, all of a sudden, you get down to about eight, yep. and they're all pretty equal. Some might be a little better, but they're good games, and I think this is exactly what's going to happen on the FBS level next year. And uh, the, the, I don't know that there's going to be 12, but there'll be eight. There's eight this year. There's eight this year that if you if it had been an 18 we'd have loved every minute of the games. And... Uh, so I think we can study the SES and watch what's going to happen on the FBS level. But uh, that's what happens. They all they move up. Um, in my latter last job, I was in the OVC, and we the OBC's not there anymore. I mean, not there. Tennessee, Tennessee, Texas—the only left OVC original OVC team, the only one. Everybody else has moved up, and they're all moving to Division One. Western Kentucky started that, Middle Tennessee did it, and now here you go with Eastern Kentucky and Austin P and Jacksonville State moved up one year and won eight games in the in the Conference USA. Never said, How do they do that? I said, Because Conference USA now a lot of those teams are move up FCS teams. But here's that's the thing, the, right? That's what the league
7: is. Here, here's the other thing about this, because I grew up right near Newark, Delaware, which is right where, uh, you know, University of Delaware is, which they had a great fo- Tubby Raymond back in the day, and the oh, Lord, and yes, the offenses absolutely. they ran and the intricacies of the stuff. I mean, he wrote the book on it, so to speak. The yep. um, Wing T. The Wing T. That's exactly right. So, um, you know, Watson, thinking out loud here, I've said this on the air of time or two, and I'm not a visionary, but this is what they ought to do. This is so simple to me. Because I think it would get numbers. People would watch it. I think it would be interesting at the end of the year. The group of five ought to go. They can still play and mix and match. Because these teams are all going to end up in the, the, the Dakota teams. They're all going to end up in the group of five one day anyway. So why don't we just take them and put them on the group of five now. And play your own tournament. Take those leagues you just talked about. The Conference USA's, the Sun Belts of the world. Whomever else is in there. And at the end of the year, you play your own playoff tournament that goes concurrently with the other playoff tournament people will watch it they'll gamble on it, it'll get good numbers, it'll be interesting and quit pretending that the group of five is playing high level division one football competing for a national championship, God bless Liberty but if they put them in a playoff and they play team number five they're going to get smoked in a 12 team playoff, they're going to get their eyeballs drilled shut so why don't we quit pretending, Watson, and let them have their own tournament at the end of the year? Do you sign off on that?
13: I, I 100% do, and, and I've really said that the last year. Now, I was, a, I was one of those at UAB. Uh, I was one of those group of fives, and you wouldn't dare say that when you were there because, in essence, then your fans, you're putting it down. But, Tony, the difference now, the difference now is this NIL money. They yep. can't even come close to staying with the FBSs. They can't do it. And, so and they can't make any money. So, you want to make some money, have you a playoff like that to me? Now you'll get a, some money, but you're also competing. You go up. Well, what does FBS do? Now? FCS do. They'll yep. go play one team maybe in the FBS or whatever, make some money, and then they get back on their level. That's what the group of fives could do. they just play one up, two up, and then back in, the, in their level. And I just think it's the way to go. And I can remember being an underdog at Vanderbilt in my head coach times, and, and uh, people would say to me all the time, we'd get close to beating Alabama or we'd beat Florida, and then we'd, we'd beat LSU. Or, but it wasn't the one game, Tony. It's the next one, then the next one, then the next one that kills you. It's not one yeah. time you play somebody. It's, it's Alabama, then Georgia, then Florida, then Mississippi, then Tennessee. And that's what gets you, and that's what the group of fives are going to run into. And this is going to get worse because of the NIL money. They cannot. I'm watching FBS teams trying to raise money to stay up with each other Silly. right now. Silly. I'm, I'm watching them. They're, they're begging for money to keep up with Silly. the Joneses on the FBS level. How about those group of five guys? Well, Mike on here, those five, five here, guys or, are fighting for money. Those group of five cannot come up with that kind of money. They don't have it.
7: Hughie was on here a minute ago, right after, right before you, and he says, "You, you know, here's a dirty little <coughs> secret: the Mac Championship game happened on a Saturday, and on a Monday, both the starting quarterbacks were in the transfer portal." Come on yeah. now,
4: I mean, let's get real. Let's, I mean, let's go ahead, Bino, jump in here with Watson Brown. Watson, this is going to get a little wordy, but I promise you, there's a question at the at the end of this. Go uh, so for it. And I want to this by saying, as huge as athletic departments are now, and with collectives, this may already be in place. But now you've got a situation as a coach and a staff where you got to prepare for a ball game. You got to re-recruit your roster. You got to be on top of the transfer portal. You got to finish out your early signing class. All of that right here together. At some point or another, aren't these schools, the bigger schools, going to have to have, like a almost a, a player personnel director and a staff? Because I don't care if they pay these head coaches and a billion bazillion dollars; they're still only twenty-four hours each day.
13: A lot of them are getting those now. You know, they're getting them. They're already doing that, and I agree with you one hundred percent. There's way too much hitting all right at the end of the season. The first thing they got to do, in my personal opinion is they've got to back up that early signing period for high school kids because it's killing the high school kids. Everybody right now is so into the portal because it happens so fast and and the high school kids getting left up back that high school signing date back up to February where it was, and get that out of the way. Go get your transfer portal kids first now. Go back. You're recruiting the high school kid all year, but go back now in January and then to February and jump back on those kids again. And uh, that's what that would ease it a bunch, in my opinion. And uh, they can't back up the transfer portal much more though, because it runs into getting the kid into school. And if you back it up to into December too much, then it's too late to get him in school, and that becomes an issue. So the transfer portal. Is about when they got to do it, but back that high school piece up. But you're dead on. I don't know how high sc- uh, uh, how these coach head coaches are doing it, and uh, I don't know that they got enough help. I th- I think they need to still. I watch basketball all the time, and I guess this shows you. I'm an a- I've been an AD twice, but I'm not the I'm not a basketball guy like football. I look on the in a game in basketball. They got more coaches on the bench than they got players. It's the greatest. I Lots mean, and that's the greatest, man. That's the greatest. It's unbelievable, and but football needs to have more off-field coaches. See, I would take these coaches, and I wouldn't have them recruiting all the time. I would have a group of recruiters and let the NCAA, because there's money everywhere. Let the NCAA let these schools hire recruiters and let these coaches coach and help with recruiting but not be responsible for this recruiting. And then I think that would help the development of kids. You're around a kid more. You're more of his daddy. You're making sure he's going to class. These coaches are gone too much, guys, recruiting, and that, I think they need to the help with that.
7: Watson, you're the man. Great talking to you. Thanks for blessing us with your presence today. And uh, it's going to be, hey, you might be able to get out there and get the sticks out, Watson. It's going to be close oh, to 60 of degrees. You better get out there.
13: I, 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 might, I might go hit a few balls today. I might do that. I'm not going to play, but I might hit a few balls. So. I'll oh. be thinking about you. Watson, Only love all you guys.
7: Yeah, because I'll be stuck in here. I'll be trapped inside these four walls, as Paul McCartney once said. Thank you, brother.
13: Thank <laughs> you, brother.
7: Thank you, brother. It's great. an honor, guys. Glad hey. to be on with you. Thank on you. The, on the TLD logistics <laughs> hotline. How great
4: is Watson Brown, Star? Oh, he's fantastic, Tony. We, we, we don't have many guests on here that I'm a little awestruck by, but he's one of them.
7: What's well, the way he says high school, right, Bry? Bry loves that. Man, has got the coolest I, accent uh, in pop the world. I pop for
8: high school. I pop for the skews. Yes.
7: <laughs> Laura's got a little bit of that accent from where he's from. They come from the same area. My wife, she says, "Put your shoes on." First time. Cook, I heard, first time I heard her say that. She's from over in the Aaron area. That's where she grew up, which I guess is—I uh, don't know—somewhere near Nashville, down below it, somewhere west. I the first the time uh, I heard her say that, Bino, put your shoes on, brother. I was in love. I've heard uh, people say instead of gone, they say gone. Uh, she's like that. She'll get new going every once in a while. Put your shoes on. And old is owed, Bino, in that soft, sweet voice. Put your shoes on, a young Yankee. A damn Yankee, soon to become a damn Yankee. I went on and gave a speech, and a guy looked at me, and he said, you're one of those damn Yankees. And I said, huh? I was just a kid, Bino, 24 years old, speaking to a civic club. I'm not kidding you. Now, I was a little abrasive back in the day, Bino, as a 24-year-old. Would you find that easy or hard to believe?
4: Absolutely stunning. A woman
7: got up and walked out during one of my first speeches, because I didn't realize you are supposed to temper what you say. (laughs) <laughs> i was up there shooting with both barrels <laughs> and this lady walked out and this other guy goes you're nothing but a damn yankee and i was like huh he goes yeah you come here and you marry our women and you live here and i was like well i guess that means you're glad i'm here i i don't know bino do, do you c- consider you me sound a damn- like
8: you're impersonating jeremy pruitt there you know
4: do you consider me a damn yankee i do not tony it uh, not not anymore
3: This is Coach Trader's golf from Columbia Central High School football. You are listening to 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee.
14: It's a memory-making time of year. This is Murray County Mayor Sheila Butt. Many years ago, as a little girl, I remember my mother receiving several packages in the mail. That was odd at our house. It was just a couple of weeks before Christmas. She put them away. I learned later that my dad had won a catalog shopping spree by selling the most cars the previous month. We were five young children and had just moved to Nashville from Illinois. It had been a tough year. About three days before Christmas, my mother started bringing out the toys one at a time. I remember her sheer delight as she presented each one to us. You see, we didn't know what was in the packages but mother did and she couldn't wait to give the toys to us i know now that the true joy was in the giving i hope during this holiday season and in the new year that every one of us will experience the true joy of giving whatever we have to give from our house to yours i wish you a very merry merry christmas and a joy-filled prosperous new year
12: This is Del Kennedy. Today I am in beautiful downtown Columbia at Foodland. It's bright, it's airy, it's stocked with everything you can imagine wanting to have in a grocery store. Its meat department is widely known as the best in the county. I'm talking with Miles Johnson, who is your local hometown grocer. Miles, what's going on at Foodland this week? Well, this week we have two special ads going on. We have a normal whole week ad, which includes New York strip steaks, $4.99 a pound, assorted pork chops, $1.69 a pound, 8-pound bag jumbo Russets, $3.99 each, Domino Sugar, two for seven. And Coca-Cola 12-packs, three for 12. You've got a special sale this week. Yes, we do. On top of that, we have Chicken Breast, $1.79 a pound. Niagara Water, three for 10. Philadelphia Cream Cheese, two for six. And all those are on a three-day ad, which runs today, Thursday, December 7th through Saturday, December 9th. And as always, your weekly specials will run through next Wednesday, correct? That is correct. All right, again, Delp Kennedy with Miles Johnson, your hometown grocer Foodland. Come see him.
10: This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Parch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee.
7: Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to like do something here that we do on here, which is I like to highlight because I love college football. And this is a weird weekend because uh, what takes center stage is a couple things. First of all. Tomorrow, uh, Tennessee basketball will be on at noon, and we'll be watching that, the Illinois game. And then we'll be on live with you uh, after that one uh, on Garza Law, Tennessee basketball overtime. And I'm greatly looking forward. We're greatly looking forward to serving you there. Gentlemen now joining us, setting up the FCS quarterfinal, which uh, takes place this weekend. And, and Bino and myself were talking, you know, last round. Uh, is you get some ugly games in there. When you get down to the 8, though, this is when it starts to get real. And I want to I encourage the living listener to check these games out um, because these games deserve your attention. And I'm going to bring a gentleman now in who's an expert in that field. He comes recommended by Mike Huguenin. Sam Herter is his name, and anybody that Mike Huganin recommends on our TLD Logistics Hotline, I'm concerned about. So, Sam, you're, you're partially in my prayers before we ever interface with you, and I hope you're doing well today.
15: <laughs> uh, I am doing good. Uh, I'm looking forward to a fun weekend and I'm looking forward to chatting some FCS with you.
7: Tell me here, because we, we usually let Hugie set up the card, and I usually ask Mike Huganin to grade the card for us. You see these four matchups. Give me a grade here. Uh, from afar, in terms of these four games, give me a um, a collective grade of what we're looking at here.
15: Yeah, it's you know, I've maybe an A minus. Uh, you know, honestly, um, I think you look at uh, the, the the powers that be. Uh, you know, certainly shift a little bit. You know, in the FCS, you know, it used to be East Coast power, Southern power, but with some some recent FBS move ups, uh, that power of the FCS has kind of shifted toward the Dakotas and, and certainly the Montana, and now you have Idaho uh, in the mix as well, and so. I think you have a good group of eight teams uh, that all you know invest pretty well in Division One football success. They all have uh, passionate fan bases. I think we're going to see four home games with with really good crowds. Uh, and so I think, yeah, overall, it's a, it's as good of a slate as maybe you can ask for.
7: Seven of the eight, what you call seeded teams, uh, got here. So the top seeds, it's kind of hard to break through at that level, isn't it?
15: Yeah, you know it, it is. You know the FCS is a, is an interesting uh, level because. I mean, I, I pretty much equate it to mid-major basketball, uh, mid-major college basketball. Where you know, mid-major college basketball and FCS football. Sometimes you'll turn on a game and you you'll see the uh, the stadium or the basketball arena, and you you kind of go, "That's that's Division one basketball. That's Division one football." It kind of looks like a high school stadium. But then there's also some you know big time mid-major basketball pro, uh, programs, and there's also big time FCS programs where you watch them um, and uh, you know, it's, it's big time atmospheres, whether it's the Fargo Dome or whether it's, you know, Montana or Montana States. And you go, okay, that looks like big time, uh, football. And there's just a, there's such a huge discrepancy, you know, at the top of the FCS to even the second tier of the FCS, to the bottom tier of the FCS, because some programs can invest at an FBS level while other programs are investing at a quote unquote FCS level. And it's really hard. If you're the 35th best team in the FCS right now, even if you're the 15th best team in the FCS right now, you're not even close to the number one team in the FCS right now, just because like you said, it is really hard for some of these programs to get to that top tier based off of what the top tier is doing off the field to, to fund in and and really run things like a high level FCS uh, program.
7: Sam Herter joining us. Heroes sports is the website. I'd encourage you to check it out. They cover college football from all different angles, but uh, get down in the nitty gritty with the FCS, unlike a lot of other places and, Sam, tonight, uh, it is uh, an 8 o'clock Central time start, which is a 9 Eastern time start, and that's really the first game, the jumping off. I love that scene in Montana on a Friday night. I don't know why they usually get the night game, but it looks colder than hell there, as we say in the trade. And tonight, Furman's up there, and Furman's like a 17-point underdog. Do you give the Purple Paladins, who knocked out my Chattanooga boys last week, any shot? In this game,
15: I think it's going to be closer than than maybe what uh, some may expect. You know, the the seventeen points does seem like uh, quite a bit because, yeah, you know, Furman obviously playing the Silicon. um, They're in the uh, Carolinas, um, and so you know, playing in in the cold um, in, in Montana is obviously not what they're used to. But I do think Furman's style of play. Uh, you know, the, the, the cold isn't going to change them stylistically, I guess is what, is what I should say. You know, they're, they're not a team like Sanford. They're, they're not a team like Western Carolina who, um, you know, they, they really like to air the ball out. They have explosive offense. You know, Furman is more established the run. You know, Dominic Roberto is a five foot 11, 230 pound running back. Uh, so they want to get after you, you know, in, in the run game. They're not going to throw the ball all over the yard. And so I, I don't think the, the, the weather is necessarily going to impact, uh, Furman, but I, I think, you know, a shorter week, it is a Friday night game. Uh, going to Missoula. I mean, that is you know twenty six thousand you know fans or so in that stadium. They're right on top of you. You got the mountains right there, so all the sound kind of uh, kind of caves in, you know, on you. And you know, you've you've heard a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of players that have played at Power Five stadiums say that you know Missoula is the loudest stadium they've ever played. I in. Love so I love that place. I love it on yeah.
7: television. It's got that like you were t- describing. I I'd encourage anybody. To flick that thing on tonight, it's on. That game is on. Where is that on? Um, like the ESPN, ESPN two. 2? Yep. Yeah, that's cool. I'd encourage anybody yeah. to see that scene because the way that stadium's constructed and it looks like it's on the side of a mountain almost. I mean, it is next level looking.
15: Yeah, it's a really cool scene. And last week when Montana beat Delaware, uh, you know, it was a snowstorm, and so it just had a beautiful yes. December Montana scene to it. I don't think it's going to snow tonight. Uh, but you still, you, you, it's right at the foot of a mountain. It's just a, an, an absolutely epic scene there.
4: Incredible. Hey, Sam, got a 2 part question for you here. Uh, one, uh, what's the matchup? Uh, what is the one matchup that you would advise everyone to check out in the FCS quarterfinals? And the other is for, for those of us who just show up at this time of year, who are always watching FBS and almost never FCS, What's something unique to the FCS game that we should uh, be aware of and watching out for?
15: Yeah, you know, I think the the most intriguing game is probably going to be North Dakota State going to South Dakota. You know, that's, that's an ABC game, and so big time uh, exposure there for uh, for the FCS uh, tomorrow in the afternoon. Um, that's probably going to be the, the you know potentially the closest game. You know, the, the Bison. I think a lot of people know the North Dakota State name in, in the brand and all the guys they've sent to the NFL and. Uh, they've been a, a bit down this year. Um, you know, there is a 2014 playoff bracket. There are eight seeds. Um, and this is the first time in quite some time that the Bison are not, uh, one of those eight seeds. And so they've had to go on the road to try and make a run to another national championship. Um, and you know, I think that's going to be a really, really good game there in, in, in South Dakota. Um, and I think, you know, the, 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 the difference or something that people, you, you I guess the viewers, casual viewers might not recognize this to, to the naked eye, but, uh, the FCS has, you know, a lot of, FBS talent and even a lot of Power Five talent, and you know there's guys you know on these rosters playing right now that have NIL Power Five deals, uh, it, it, you know not in place, but basically NIL offers to tra- to enter the transfer portal and go to Power Five schools. Um, I know there's a few guys that where that's the case for North Dakota State. Um, I'm sure there's a couple of guys for Idaho. I'm sure there's a couple guys, more than a couple guys for South Dakota State that haven't tampered with and say, hey, we see what you're doing. We think you can play on our Power Five program. Uh, you know here's here's a we might have a little something for you if you enter the transfer portal. And so um, I think people might, they might see the smaller stadiums, they might see the words or the letters FCS, and they might see some of these school names and, you know, maybe just, you know, subconsciously not think these are, you know, top-level Division One football players, but they all are, you know, really good. And uh, the FCS sends a lot of guys to the NFL every a year. Uh, they, send a, they send a lot of guys to, you know, the FBS and the transfer portal. I mean, there were, there were 300 FCS players that uh, entered the transfer portal last year that all went to the FBS, and so it's wow. not FCS-level versus FBS-level talent. There is FBS-level talent in the FCS. They were just under-recruited. Maybe they didn't develop you know, right away. Uh, maybe they were a little too skinny, one step too slow uh, in, in high school, but then they got to the college level. They developed into a top-end talent, and now you know, they just happen to be playing at the FCS level, not the FBS level, but that doesn't mean they're, you know, they're any less of a quality of player than at this level. You know,
7: Jared Verse. <clears throat> Jared Verse is a good example of that. Yep. You know, we when he first came on the scene, and obviously we hear all these names, but when he first emerged, we were like, the first thing you say is Albany. What are you doing fooling around with a defensive end from Albany? And then you, <laughs> and then you saw him at Florida State immediately, and you were like, oh, that's why they wanted that guy. Did you think he would have that kind of impact there?
15: I did, yeah. Now I think he's, you know, he might be a top ten NFL draft pick, you know, somewhere around there. I didn't, I didn't expect that, but uh, I mean, when he he was, you know, one of the best freshmen uh, in the FCS, and you know, he was, you know, for whatever reason, uh, maybe he was an inch too short. I don't know. For whatever reason, though, you know, he was under recruited um, in high school, and you, you see that uh, a lot with some guys. I mean, Cameron Ward, uh, Washington State quarterback, who's he kind of made headlines because he has like five or six different one million dollar nil offers in the transfer portal, portal right now well he started his career uh, at the fcs level um you know I, I live in the in the minneapolis area and i was listening to the radio yesterday and uh, minnesota just signed a guy out of the ter- got a commit out of the transfer portal from max brosmer a quarterback from new hampshire uh who was a top three walter payton award finalist at the fcs level which which is basically the heisman of the fcs and you know the folks on the radio here were, were asked the question you know can a guy from the fcs go to the Big Ten and have success? You know, probably not. And I was just kind of sitting there listening, like, well, it's happened many, many times before of a guy going from the FCS to the Power Five level and having an impact. And so um, it, it isn't all that surprising when I see an FCS guy enter the transfer portal, go to a Power Five program, um, and have a big, big-time big impact. Obviously, the, you know, the transfer portal has hurt the FCS in that way, but there's still a lot of talent hanging around at the FCS level.
7: Sam Herder joining us. Hero Sports is the site. They even have a podcast up there previewing the weekend, which I'm going to check out when I do my workout here uh, momentarily. Before we play music tonight at an Admiral Pub, busy day and evening, afternoon and evening for me. Not that you care, but um, but if you're out in the uh, West Knoxville area and want to come check us out at Admiral Pub between seven and ten tonight, we'll be there. I got to ask you about a guy Tennessee's involved with. At least they've reached out to him. Uh, uh, apparently they offered him earlier in the week i guess they're more than involved with him saeed Gibbs is his name he's a freshman all-american out of rhode island uh had the uh second most picks in his league started all 10 games he played in was uh rookie of the year uh in the caa i guess he can play a little bit huh
15: yeah you know another you know again under recruited guy and Um, you know they each have their their unique story of why they're under recruited um coming out of high school whether you know maybe they they didn't play for a high school that was all that good or maybe they played in in a smaller division but uh um yeah i mean he developed obviously in in a hurry you know one of the best freshmen in the fcs and you know rhode island is uh you know i watched a decent amount of rhode island this year but not not a ton just because they weren't you know necessarily a a top 25 team and usually your eyes kind of go to where the best teams are at but you know rhode island uh, a few years ago, they sent, like, three guys uh, to the NFL. One was a draft pick. Uh, two guys were undrafted free agents. So,
4: so,
14: you know, I mean,
15: Rhode Island is, is another program that you kind of look at and kind of like you, Albany, you go, Rhode Island? Like, really? There's there's power five talent there? And uh, there certainly is. And so um, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's hard to track, you know, all the offers. These guys are getting once they enter the transfer portal. But I assume he's going to get a, a decent amount of uh, interest there.
7: Brian Hartman, jump in here with Sam Herder. Uh, a gentleman that you've unearthed for us, and this guy's a gem, Brian. This is like finding gold,
8: man. This guy's This is uh, great, Sam. Yeah, yeah Sam, thank, you, thank for, you so much, man. Thank you so much great. for coming on here, and we appreciate it. I want to ask about Delaware is moving up to Conference USA. Is there going to come at a time when you see some of the Dakota schools bolt to the FBS level, to a group of five level, and I, I my impression is they're sort of in a spot where geographically – I don't know if there's a conference that they really fit into because it would be sort of a long way to go for those teams to go play a game there and then for them to go back and forth between.
15: Yeah, I mean, that's that's honestly one of the, the uh, maybe the number one off the field storyline in the FCS is, is when exactly is North Dakota State going to get out of the FCS and, um, you know, the, the powers that be, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Montana, Montana State, um, you know, they're seeing teams on the East Coast and, and down South move up to the FBS, and they're kind of Looking around the rest of the FCS and saying we, you know, we don't necessarily we used to fit in with the FCS. Maybe we've outgrown the FCS. Maybe it's time for us to also go to the FBS. But the problem is, no conference are in or are interested in any of those teams because of their location. And Mm -hmm. it seems like there's a a decent misconception out there that NDSU doesn't want to go to the FBS. They're fine in the FCS and winning national titles. That's actually not the case. Um, You know, whether they tell you off the record or well, you or whether you kind of read in between the lines. The Bison are no doubt ready for an FBS jump. I mean, they just put up a $50 million practice facility, which is unheard of. What? Yeah, and all privately funded, too. All privately funded. They raised the, the money themselves through boosters, through companies. It didn't come from the state. It didn't come from the school. $50 million indoor practice facility for North Dakota State. That's unheard of at the FCS level. That's probably even unheard of at the Group of Five level. And I tell people all the time, they didn't build that to stay in the FCS. They would like to go to the FBS, but no they have never gotten an fbs invite and so i think that's one misconception out there that ndc was fine in the fcf that's not the case they would like to make the jump they're ready to make the jump but when you see where fargo is located um i mean the mountain west hasn't been calling the mac hasn't been calling you know conference usa might have an opening uh but that's you know pretty out of their footprint and so um it's kind of an interesting deal where the bison are certainly fbs ready but uh there's really nowhere for them to go right now
7: what kind of crowds do they draw like you talk about the Bison, when I watch that stadium, they play in the indoor arena, right? Yep. What, what kind of?
15: Yep. Well, how, how, how large is that? So it's about a, it seats about eighteen thousand uh, seven hundred. Um, mm-hmm. And so you know the, the another misconception is you need a certain size stadium for the FBS, and you know that's not the case. It used to be an attendance requirement, but now that has, that no. has now changed to a scholarship uh, requirement. A recent change, but that is also an interesting part of North Dakota State is. Their fans want to go FBS. Their fans desperately want to go FCS. And, you know, I've been covering NSU pretty closely since 2011. And I was there during the early days of the national title runs where getting a ticket to an NSU football game was impossible. I mean, they sold out in in a snap of a finger. You know, the, the, you know, people were hanging from the, (laughs) hanging from the rafters. That was the hot ticket in town. Well, now a lot of Bison fans, well, we've been there. We've done that. We've, we've hosted quarterfinal games and semifinal games and we've won nine national titles what's next and now NDSU is running into a trouble running into a problem where they're not selling out you know anymore they sell out maybe one game a year if South Dakota State or UND comes to town but other than that even some of their past semifinal games they haven't been able to sell out because their fans are kind of I don't want to say they're bored but you know they're kind of ready for the next thing and NDSU their athletic department they rely a lot on ticket revenue because they don't get a whole lot of government or school funds and now that ticket revenue is dropping because a lot of their fan not a lot, but, you know, a decent amount of their fans are kind of saying, yeah, I don't really need to go to Bison games anymore. I've seen this. We've done this, you know, so many years in a row. What's the next thing? And so I think that's another reason why the Bison athletic department is very interested in going to the FBS is just to kind of rejuvenate the fan base a little bit.
7: You break you bow your head scientifically because he breaks it down scientifically. Sam Hurd joining us. FCS. We're we're talking about the FCS quarterfinals. Bino Jeff Henderson, jump back in here. This guy's blowing my mind.
4: Sam, I, I, after I give you these two examples, I want you to expound a little bit on on the pride and following these teams have. That kind of surprising to me. I, I've got a brother in law that lives in in Bose right outside of Bozeman, Montana, and uh, I I went out there to visit. And I'm not a I don't hunt or fish, so what I did was go to Montana State and look at their football facility. And uh, I was there on a Friday that uh, was in September. They were getting ready to have a home game on Saturday. And I was really surprised by the buzz around that campus. It was a, uh, you know, and I'm used to Southeastern Conference settings. And uh, I was impressed by the buzz around around that uh, around that campus. Then my brother and I went to Minnesota to watch the Yankees play. There was a North Dakota State fan uh, in all his attire dressed out there. And I messed up and said, Bison. And he told me real quickly that is Bison. So I I want you to expound a little bit on the on the passion and following of some of these programs at FCS.
15: Yeah, you know it is interesting when I when I hop on you know some radio stations that uh um you know they you know you're you're not talking about the FCS you know every day and you and you kind of you know kind of view it from a thousand uh, foot view and you know a lot of the sometimes a lot of the questions are you know why is North Dakota State so good why is South Dakota State and Montana Montana State why are they so good? You wouldn't think that these teams would be so powerful, but you know it's actually their location that that helps them. Uh, I mean, you look at whether it's a, a, whether it's the SoCon teams or the CAA teams out uh, out east. I mean, they are they are surrounded by FBS programs, and it's hard for them to fight for media attention and corporate sponsors and you know even some of their alums. I mean, you could you know chattanooga might have you know a lot of people that went to school there but on saturdays after they graduate they don't they might not go to chattanooga games they might go to tennessee games you know for example or a different power five or fbs game in that area and so that that really kind of sets those type of programs back well if you're in montana or if you're in north dakota even south dakota i mean if you're montana state or montana you are the nfl team of that state and every single person in that state Even though it's you know not a huge state uh, by population standards, you're either a Montana fan or or you're a Montana State fan, and they support those programs like a Power Five level. You know, you need a new indoor facility. All right, let's raise the money. You need uh, you know uh, to raise money for a nutritionist. Okay, you know we got you. Here's here's the money. They have big time support, um, and they can fund things kind of like I mentioned at the top. They can fund things at an FBS level because they know if they're good, they're going to draw huge crowds, and you know whatever money they fund into football there's going to be a pretty high ROI because uh, I mean, Montana, you know, they're hosting a semi-final or a quarterfinal game now. And, you know, that's a lot of money coming in for the local economy. Meanwhile, you know, if um, you know, no, no offense to Furman, but if, if Furman was hosting this quarterfinal game, you know, may, maybe they sell out, maybe, I, I don't know if they would sell out. It's just, it's just hard to fight for that level of attention if you're in the East or Southeast compared to North Dakota state, Montana, Montana state, South Dakota state, where you are, you know the not the only show in town, but you know you aren't really competing for our attention a whole lot.
7: Incredible talking to you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Tell the living listener, uh, Sam Herder, where they can find you, interact with you, and plug that podcast you guys got going. Let's get let's let's get boned up on the weekend.
15: Yeah, I appreciate that. the The, the, the podcast is called the FCS Football Talk Podcast. Uh, then our website is heroesports.com dot Then I'm on Twitter at sam herder fcs.
7: Brother, have a great day. Pleasure, man. Good talking to you.
15: All right. I appreciate you guys. Thank you.
7: And, Brian, let's do that again next week when we get to the semifinal. I like him a lot. Yep. I like him a lot. Bino, I don't Jeff, know what yeah. it's about Sam's, but they're all fired up. They're all fired up. They are all fired. Those are some fired up, focused, and prepared people, Bino. And for the first time this hour, this audience has to be pent up. Pent up. We are going to go to our phone lines. And the pleasure that's going to be. You know, now we haven't said a word about tomorrow's Illinois game. I think that's going to be a terrific basketball game. We did a breakdown over at the... um, T Club team today and I would encourage you to check it out. Head over there towards the bottom of the blog. Tomorrow's Illinois game is going to be really an interesting football game.
4: Yeah, it's re- re- really solid.
8: Uh, you mean Illinois.
4: basketball game?
7: Yeah, I'm sorry. Not football. It's yeah. on my brain. Go ahead, Brian. <laughs> or Bino. Uh,
4: it, You know, I've watched them the other night and uh, they're uh, they they've got a pretty explosive bunch, um, so uh, we'll. Uh, but it would be a uh, it'd be a nice win for Tennessee at home, and as you guys said, uh, I, I think it's pretty important uh, from a seating standpoint for sure uh, to get this taken care of tomorrow and then take care of NC State, um, and uh, who who you lost to won't hurt you if you can do those things. I believe they're pretty darn good, right? This Illinois bunch? Yeah, and I, I'm, you guys called, and I apologize, I don't, I don't have it right in front of me, but yep. the kid that went off for for like 33 the other night, I think he's only averaging nine. Uh, so, you know, it's imperative that Tennessee kind of kind of keeps him under wraps. So,
7: shout out to my man, you talk about Sam, Sam Ricosi. Not to be confused with Sammy and the Ridge, but Sam Ricosi. Who a time or two has been been a live wire on our post game show? He had sinus surgery the other day, so Sam, we're praying for you, brother, and lifting you up. Sam and his ENT doctor, Dr. Pinella, bonded over the program when Sam mentioned something and they made a connection over the Tony Basilio show, Bino. Now would that be a good sign if the guys getting ready to operate on your like cut your face open and find out that he's a, a listener to
4: this show? You think that's a good thing, Bino? Well, uh, that's, uh, the way soccer Dave and my nephew Andy, uh, bonded. Uh, so now we've somehow sold uh, not only the medical profession, but the church as well. And how about this? The other day, I'll
7: tell you how, uh, uh, big we are in, in Sam's household, Sam and Kristen. This is from, um, Kristen sent me this, that her, uh, mother sent her this. The other day, I told Cora that the mayor was in charge of the town of Knoxville. That they were trying to teach the young daughter. I guess she's like four, whatever, four years old, or however old she is. Beautiful little girl. And she says, the other day, I told Cora the mayor was in charge of the town of Knoxville, and she said, no, 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 my mom. No. Tony Basilio is in charge of Knoxville. That's what the little... <laughs> I mean, I'll send you a screenshot of that. Sam and Kristen, I just want to say to you, keep teaching your youngsters physics, because she is absolutely, not physics, but civics, because she is absolutely correct. Correct. And Jerry Colquitt listening to us wants to know, where was the love in that last segment for the Vandals? Because uh, I was told off the air that the second... Game worth watching on the weekend. According to our last guest, is Albany Jared versus Amatamater versus the number four seed Idaho, the Vandals, and that is a ten o'clock start, Brian, on Saturday
8: night. Rice fans, Rice. Fans. I mean, Brian, are you fired up for that? The Vandals. Yeah, you can. Stay up late and watch uh, games tonight and tomorrow night. But, you know, the Idaho Vandals used to be in FBS level. I think they dropped down because, for some reason, they dropped back down. Yes. But I believe they were in the – when there was a Western Athletic Conference. I remember that. Now, I remember they, the I Grids, they were in the league with Fresno The State. Vandals. I think they yep. were in the league with some of those teams that are now in the, the yeah. uh, WAC. I, I mean, the Mountain West.
7: Anybody that's ever tagged the side of a building likes the Vandals. So those of you out there that like to, uh, shall we say, paint the face. By the way, uh, the uh, tonight when I think of Col- I think of Montana and I think of that that helmet that says Grease on it. Grease, Brian. That fires me up, focuses me, and prepares me. Let's get to the phone calls on the other side after that.
0: Hi, it's Terry from Tillis Jewelry, your festive gift destination this Christmas. Unwrap the magic with our natural diamond earrings starting at incredible $99. Yes, you heard it right, $99. Picture the joy of discovering these stunning gems in your stocking. But there's more. Explore our brand new diamond pendants and dazzling stack rings at fantastic prices. Make this season unforgettable with Tillis Jewelry. Come see us on the Columbia Square where the gift is wrapped with elegance. Tillis Jewelry, making your Christmas sparkle brighter. Happy Holidays.
6: Need a little extra cash for the holidays? From now until Christmas, Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling and Electrical is giving you a $500 Visa gift card when you buy select new HVAC systems or receive a $250 gift card with a new tankless water heater. And upgrade now with monthly payments as low as $79. Visit happyhiller.com. Happy you'll be or the service is free.
12: Call the happy face truck today. Yeah.
6: elevate your day at Old School Vapor. Check out our selection of disposables like Kato Bar, VHO, Raz, Lost Mary, Breeze and more. Enjoy 35% off your entire e-liquid purchase and 20% off everything else. With every $20 Club 13 purchase, snag a chance to win a Rad Runner e-bike. And for Exodus lovers, every purchase gets you a ticket to win an Xbox Series S. Check us out at OldSchoolVapor.com. Join Center of Hope for the annual New Year's Eve Mule Drop in downtown Columbia. It all starts at 8 p.m. with the amazing Emerald Empire Band. Food trucks, a beer garden, axe throwing, and a cigar lounge will all be there. Hourly countdowns and toasts will lead up to the Mule Drop at midnight. The Mule Drop is free and family friendly. Presented by Center of Hope. Sponsored by Experience Murray and Baxter Management. No live mules will be used at this event.
1: This is Clayton
2: Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia.
7: TB back with you, 865-200-5402. I generally ask Bino during the breaks, especially we've been so guest heavy, if he has anything he wants to add to the conversation. Uh, All lines are jammed, Bino. Would you rather spend it with you or spend it with them? You tell me. you have anything you want to add here? Let's spend it with them, Tom. Oh, why? Hello and welcome into our first call. You're live uh, on the show. Day Record. Hi, welcome in.
11: Hey, Tony. It's Orange Blood. How's it going?
7: Yo, brother. Welcome in.
11: Hey, uh, by the way, uh, Aaron is over there in Houston County, about 30, 40 minutes you north of Waver- Waverly, home of the Fighting camps.
7: The Fighting camps of Waverly will never, ever Ever, ever
11: incredible people. Incredible. Went to high school there in Waverly with one of their kids, I believe. Yep. Yep. Hey, um, just looking at uh, the seat you know, his little press conference and all that they had with Skip and all that, you know, Mm -hmm. you can tell exactly what cards Deion is playing to get these recruits up there. And I feel like we're kind of looking out on not getting a clown in this recruit. Or this transfer, or whatever it is, you know, it, it looks like he's because the, the the talking points you hear in those conferences like that, you know exactly what Dion's angle is. He's got some kind of chip on his shoulder. Yep. That, I mean, he had nothing to prove. I mean, there's nothing to prove with what Dion's trying to prove. I mean, that's just the way f- football has been for years, and just need to, you know, kids just need to not have that as their mentality for a reason to go somewhere. They need to go there somewhere to improve their skills. And get to the next level. But, now Dion might be able to coach that. Maybe he can. He hasn't shown it this first year. We'll right. see. But uh, I just don't like the methods that he's using to recruit players up there. They, well, he and
7: it's for the most part it's not working because last year, I mean, they you know they put a team out there and they started well, but they don't have enough depth. They don't have enough roster. Not that they were going to have enough roster, but like you heard Huguenin say that he hasn't put together. What you would call a competent recruiting class this year, when he doesn't have any top 300 players, but yet he's got this guy, Dion just seems to be a guy going for the big splash, uh, going for I call it doing bits, and Dion understands that, that place, you know, putting that guy on national television yesterday and pantsing the rest of college football, and really getting to the getting the Vols, but it wasn't just the Vols. The day before, the kid spent. Uh, a ton of time with Oregon and wasted their time uh, in a season when you know like we were talking a 24-hour period today I mean if you'd have told Oregon hey this kid's going to do this to you or even Tennessee nobody would have
11: wasted their time with
7: him. nobody saw that coming
11: yeah and I'm sure we'll see more when's the deadline for all this madness to it closes out. Well, the first in week or so.
7: The, yeah, the 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 signing day, I believe, is the twentieth of December, somewhere around then. So, yeah, we still have several days of that, and then the transfer portal is a thirty-day deal from Monday.
11: I can't see how. Can you imagine what between? You got the month to prepare for a bowl, but you also are trying to convince four and five-star recruit freshmen from, or you know. Seniors in high school to come here, right? But then you're also saying in the next phone call, you're saying, "Okay, four star from Georgia or wherever, uh, you know, Rhode Island. Why don't you come in here too?" And, and you just talk to the guy who's the kid who's a four star high school in that same position. What well, you, I mean, can you imagine how the high school guy feels when he's coming in here earnestly trying to get a place to go?
7: Well, and and the, and the kid has no idea, which is how recruiting yeah, he has always know. been. Uh, recruiting has See, always been. He finds that on Twitter. It's like the story Tony Robinson told me. He said, I showed up and thought I was the bell of the ball in their class, and I go back and there's nine quarterbacks back there. He said, now a bunch of them ended up at defensive back, but the truth is there were nine guys that came to campus in my class thinking they were going to play quarterback. And I just wonder, only God knows the answer to this, but how many times a college football coach lies in a day? It's got to be incredible, right, this time of the
4: year? uh yes tony i would think that that number is uh it'd be off the board you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't
7: Couldn't place on no no and 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 then a master level politician or a football coach who's going to lie more in a day i'd say it's pretty close I'd say it's pretty close, but here's think of it. Think of it yeah. this way,
11: Tony. Think about high, <clears throat> like in high school, if a guy's dating two girls and they don't right. have social media back in the day, right? But somehow they find out through the grapevine. Oh, so and so's taking me on a date Friday night. Well, he's taking me on a date Saturday night. Now these kids go to Manning Passing, you know, schools and they go, and they're their friends on Facebook and Instagram and everything else, and they talk back and forth. What are they going to say? It's like, hey, we were in Manning Passing Camp last summer. So and so coach just. You know, offer me, you know, and I, we got an NIL deal. Oh, he just called me, too, and I'm transferring. Exactly. Then what are you going to do? What are the parents going to do? Nothing.
7: Know? There's nothing anybody uh, can it's do. It's a mess. Yeah, it's, a, it's mess. a mess. man. But I appreciate you. Thank you. Here's the thing about the kid yesterday that did what he did. There's a thought internally that he's not going to stick to um, Colorado over at Tennessee because they were doing a bit. Because Dion has to come through on promises. Can he do it? I don't know. But if the guy calls you and you're Tennessee and he says, I want to come back. I asked you this in the first step. Venus says, I'm not taking him back. But that could happen. So I just want to caution everybody that that certainly, I'm not going to say it's going to happen. But in these deals, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Back to the phones we go. By the way, the Vols are bringing the Stays kid in this weekend, and I think they'll probably do a deal with him, would be my guess. He's uh, their target, and there's another tight end out there that they want as well. Um, But we'll go to the phones. We've got a lot of that today up at uh, tclub.team if you want to check it out. It looked like they were going to have several visitors in this weekend. I don't know what the number is now. But I do believe the Stays' kid is coming in, and Tennessee's in great shape with him. It looked like they were going to take Brian's kid from Connecticut till they decided they didn't want him. Ironically enough, he got an offer from uh, South Florida, Bry, from our former offensive coordinator, who wants him to come play there. Let's go back to our phones. I'll tell you what, before we get our next, our next call in, let me do this. We're going to do a TLD Logistics Overdrive Overtime I want to thank Watson Brown for joining us today. I want to thank uh, our special guest who just joined us a second ago, Sam Herter, also Mike Huganin. Tomorrow, when the game goes final, we'll have you over here at tclub.team where we do our thing, uh, and we'll be on with Garza Law, Tennessee basketball overtime, because the fun, the fun never ends here, and don't I know it. In the meantime, we appreciate you on the radio side, Thank you for being there. Check us out over at tclub.team and spread the word. Thunderbird, what's the price, 40 twice. Have a great weekend.
5: This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia.